0: If you want a wildly healthy, naturally disease resistant pet who turns heads and starts conversations with awestruck onlookers, you're right where you belong. This is the Vital Animal Podcast with your host, homeopathic veterinarian, Dr. Will Falconer. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Will Falconer. I'm back with the Vital Animal Podcast, and we are talking about Lyme disease today, a very interesting disease, and I've asked a friend who's a homeopathic colleague to rejoin me. Welcome to Dr. Todd Cooney. Thanks, Will. Thanks very much. Nice to be here. Glad to have you, Todd. Yeah. So we've got this disease called Lyme that I see a lot of hand wringing about, and I see a lot of conventional veterinarians over-prescribing for. I see animals that have a supposed diagnosis of Lyme's when really all they've got is a Lyme titer and they're getting blasted with antibiotics for a month. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get you on, just to get your thoughts as a homeopathic vet on what we can say about Lyme as a a disease maybe first. It sounds like a, a bit of an oddball.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's right. I think it is a bit of an oddball. Well, first of all, you know, it wasn't around until more recently, just like the human Lyme. Yeah. Which, which may go back a little farther, but I think Lyme disease in, in dogs has really spun off of the human field. And they've modeled everything after the human model, you know, as far as diagnosis and treatment. And uh-huh. The problem is that dogs don't seem to really get sick with Lyme disease. It seems to be a hard, to me, it's a hard sell. I remember back in the homeopathy course and Dr. Pitcairn said he didn't think it was a real disease of dogs. And several of us perked up and said, whoa, wait a minute. You know what? (laughs) Yeah. How can you say We're hearing about it. Yeah. 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 There's a vaccine for it. There's a test for it. How can you say it's not a real disease? Uh But the more I looked at it, the more I thought about it, I think he's correct.
0: And yet people seem to have a very different experience. I mean, I've only known kind of ancillarily a person or two that's had Lyme disease and boy, they're down for years of sickness oftentimes, oh, right? Oh
1: yeah. Yeah, with people. Yeah. It's it's definitely a bad thing in humans. I'm not arguing about that. But it doesn't seem to follow this pattern in dogs. In some of the things I read when I was preparing an article for dogs naturally, there's they've never been able to infect dogs in the lab and cause disease artificially, which is strange, you know, with most things they can do that. Right. The only success they had was in very young puppies and it was a very transient type of joint disease that the puppies got over on their own in a short time. So me, that doesn't really sound like a serious disease. And it didn't go on to advance and turn into kidney or heart disease like it can in people, neurologic disease. Uh Uh So it doesn't seem to follow the same pattern, first of all.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the past, I've, I've said, well, okay, we've got a titer in your dog and your dog is, how's your dog feeling? Is that a question you ask as well? Oh, I do. It's one of the first things
1: I ask. They tell me they're in a panic. You know, the first thing, my dog has Lyme disease. I yeah. go, Whoa, wait a minute. So your dog tested positive. Yeah. What are the symptoms? Well, he doesn't have symptoms. He acts fine. <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: He acts like there's nothing <laughs> wrong. And I say, well, okay. Let's start there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's important let's, right let's yeah, let's back up the let's back up the excitement a little bit, yeah, because the I think the conventional side they do approach it with a fear based approach, just like they do a lot of other things, you know, so I think yeah. the vets themselves are afraid of it, which leads to transferring that fear to the clients uh, afraid of the seriousness of the disease because they know what it does in people and uh-huh. Afraid that maybe they won't be able to treat it.
0: Uh huh.
1: I'm sure there are a lot of vets that think they're successfully treating Lyme disease because they, well, they have a dog with a positive test and they treat him, and then the dog continues to do well with no symptoms. So they assume they've they fixed and it. And
0: does the titer drop after a month worth of antibiotics? Have you ever known that? No, I don't. I don't think so. I've never really seen many
1: dogs go back to being. Tighter negative. Uh-huh. Most dogs seem to retain that tighter for a long time, if not for their lives. I, I haven't really followed it that much. So it'd be interesting to see if any work's been done on that. You know, how long do they keep a tighter?
0: So let's talk about titers for a minute, because I want people who are maybe new to the idea to know, A, what a titer is, and B, how it can be interpreted. Would you give us a brief thumbnail? What's a titer? Yeah, well,
1: a titer really is a measure of antibodies in the in the blood, antibodies to certain disease agents, virus or bacteria, and uh, it's a measurement of how well. First of all, a measurement of whether there's been exposure or not. You either have a positive or a negative titer, and then some labs can quantify the titer too and give it a number value, and they usually do it by diluting the serum in half. In serial dilutions, so they'll say it's a one to eight or one to sixteen or one to thirty-two, and the more diluted it is the higher the titer supposedly is. I think that's how it works. Right. It means the the more potent there antibody is, Yeah, mm-hmm. against that. So, but a lime a lime titer antibody titer is just uh, I think a yes or no. They can do a quantitative titer. One of the things from the the ACVIM, which we're going to get into in a little bit. One of the things they mentioned was that there's not a, not an accurate quantitative titer, and how did they how did they say it?
0: First, who's the who's the ACVIM? Yeah, sorry.
1: So the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine. So people that go to the doctor are familiar with the term internist. They'll go to an internist, someone who specializes on internal workings. Right. So the College of Veterinary Internal Medicine are specialists as a group, like cardiologists gastroenterologists, kidney specialists, people that specialize on internal medicine. So they have they've a, taken
0: extra training.
1: Yeah, they take extra training. They yeah, they do internships, residencies. So they've, they've really got like three to five extra years of training on top of that school usually. So they're, they're sharp uh-huh. people and they're hardworking people. And I think well-meaning. But when I was digging deeper into Lyme disease and just looking at conventional ideas about it, I found these uh, papers that they had written. They wrote the first one back in, I think it was 2006. Yeah, they wrote guidelines. And they do this on other things too. They'll do guidelines on different topics. But they did a guideline on Lyme disease in 2006. And then they updated this in 2018. So they they didn't really change a lot in 2018. But one conclusion I had after I read this is that I don't think a lot of the veterinary community has really read this or knows that it exists. I wasn't aware of it, really. But they have a lot of interesting stats in this. A big one is that, unlike exposed humans, 95% of exposed dogs remain asymptomatic, which means they don't get sick. They're not sick.
0: Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: So, just like a lot of people that get exposed to COVID, although we don't want to go into that. (laughs) But they... (laughs) So, a dog is exposed, gets an antibody, never has any symptoms.
0: Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So...
1: Therefore, isn't sick. Therefore, is not sick. Yeah, by definition. I mean, they've, they've mounted a response to a, to a pathogen, but they aren't sick. They don't have
0: Lyme disease, I mean, by definition. So, right, right. Yeah. So, I, th- I think those, those animals with, with titers for Lyme that are walking around eating and drinking and playing and doing all their normal life. Probably ought to be applauded. Yeah, I Right. think so. They've, 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 done a, they've done a great job of responding to an illness and prevented exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: And, and that's what I tell people, too. You could look as, at this as saying that your dog has immunity. They have immunity. Yep. Similar to the way yep. they, they look at vaccine titers, although that's debatable, too. But that's a little different thing, I think, too, because you've got other, other factors of immunity with viruses that don't really apply to this but but the other thing that impressed me was that and Richard Pickerean had touched on this and I asked him if he knew of any studies and he said no he he thought he read it a long time ago in uh, Kirk's current vet therapy he thought maybe an older edition which I couldn't find that anywhere but I did find that in the ACVIM paper that researchers have never been able to cause Lyme disease in experiments uh, by putting infected ticks on dogs. And and they've tried. I mean, they've really tried. Uh (laughs) Uh Not even, not just putting ticks on the dogs, but injecting the actual organism into the dog. So putting it in injectable Uh form and just giving them a shot of Lyme disease. The closest Uh thing they got to was just a transient arthritis in the leg closest to the tick bite in six to 12-week-old puppies. But when they tried this in adult dogs, they couldn't produce the same symptoms. And, and all these puppies had uh, self-limiting symptoms, which means they got better on
0: their own. They didn't require treatment.
1: So that's, uh, to huh. me, that's, that's pretty telling. Yeah. And
0: so they tried to, they tried to infect them and they couldn't.
1: They tried. Yeah, they did try. And Dr. Pitcairn said he thought he remembered something about the only way they could do it is if they stressed the dogs with steroid treatment. And I couldn't really find much about that. I tried, but I didn't really find any, any documentation. But that makes sense that if you stress them with steroids. Yeah. Because the other thing they, they said is that the more serious complications of Lyme disease, like kidney, heart, neurologic, and skin disease, things that are common in people, have not been reproduced with dogs at all. So there are hypothetical possibilities. They could happen in theory, but they haven't happened.
0: So, so the the dogs you're saying don't get that set of symptoms that the people do. Yeah, that's according to these experts. They,
1: yeah, they seem to have a little more natural immunity to it than people do. I guess you could say. And and we know yeah. that that's true in other with other diseases and other species. Yeah. You know, some species seem to be immune to certain diseases
0: compared to people. So sure, sure. So the ACVIM, the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine. Then what do they what do they say about a titer, and what do they say about vaccination? Well, it's
1: interesting. As far as titers, one of the things they one of the stats they had is that in some areas where Lyme disease is endemic, you know, where it's very common, seventy to ninety percent of all the dogs tested are positive for Lyme. Ah. Yet most most are healthy with no symptoms. So that would be you know ah. like the East Coast, New England, those areas, and pockets of the Midwest too. Yep. it doesn't seem to be too bad where I am. But and they said that there's no individual test result that can document an illness from Lyme infection. So that's interesting. Uh-huh. And then they they do go into some of the recommendations, and I mentioned those. I mentioned those in in the article I wrote earlier. But doxycycline is the main one that people are familiar with. And the only reason I mentioned it is because it's mentioned in the ACVIM. I'm not a big fan of it if we have a dog that is an antibody positive we usually don't do doxycycline we might treat with homeopathy based on any symptoms that are present but and they do state too that positive test so the positive antibody test only indicates exposure to the organism which is called borrelia or they they call it bb borrelia burgdorferi so instead of saying that they uh-huh. just say bb And so it indicates just exposure to that, not really clinical disease.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And they state that tighter strength doesn't relate to the presence or absence of disease because some people say, oh, it's a strong positive. You know, he must really have it bad. It's a strong positive. Uh But you can't, (laughs) you know, you can't really say that. You just say it's yes or no. There's no
0: symptoms. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's yes or no. So in summary, when they sum things up toward the end of the paper, they they argued against routine screening of healthy dogs for the following reasons, and I this is what really shocked me because I didn't realize that they had come out in a formal position against routine screening of healthy dogs, which is what's happening all over the country. And
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You've got the four-way heartworm test that tests for Lyme and Anaplasma and Ehrlichia and heartworm, and many dogs get that every year at their annual physical, and so... Uh, if they're unlucky enough to show up with a Lyme positive, guess what they're going to probably recommend. So,
0: uh-huh. but
1: but the reason they give against routine testing, um, one is that it results in overdiagnosis and overtreatment based on a test that doesn't really diagnose Lyme disease, nor predict its occurrence. So, and also the fact that most positive dogs never become ill with Lyme disease and don't need treatment. So. That kind of says it in a uh-huh. in a nutshell. But some other things they say are interesting points, too, that overtreatment with incomplete removal of the organism can result in resistant strains. So we could be making things worse accidentally if the organism is there. And overuse of antibiotics generally increases other resistance in the environment, which is a bad thing for everybody. You know, it's like the antibiotics in animal feed. Yeah, You know, it just just
0: makes a bad. Making superbugs. Yeah,
1: superbugs for everybody. Another thing they mentioned is that immunity is not permanent and treated dogs can be reinfected. And that's, I couldn't really find much more information about that or why they said that. But I thought one of the best reasons that they said to avoid it is that detection of positive results could cause unnecessary owner distress <laughs> and, yeah, and expense yeah. and potential drug reactions in dogs not needing treatment. I mean, th- these people go through a lot of anxiety. Sure, in many cases, when they find out that the dog tests positive, and then we have to do this, then we have to wait several months to see if things are going to be okay. So,
0: so I think you and I are you and I are at odds with the ACVIM on one main point. If they're recommending that a positive tighter dog gets doxycycline for four weeks. You and I would not recommend that, right? Absolutely, yeah. I would not recommend it either. And, and it really sounds like they
1: aren't really recommending that, although they did state that. Let's see how they worded that. Okay, so what they said in that section of the article, they said if the dog really has Lyme-related illness, you know, if this dog really has symptoms and really is sick and test positive and has, has symptoms that relate to Lyme disease, it usually responds quickly to treatment. So doxycycline okay. or another antibiotic. So they preface that section with that statement. So it's it, if it's not that they would just treat any dog that tests positive, but a dog that has symptoms that match.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's an important point, though. Yeah,
1: it's that's yeah. I'm glad we didn't gloss over that because I think that's pretty major. But yeah, and that would that would really most dogs I see, or if not all dogs I see, fall into that category, and. Yeah. Also dogs have most people I talk to that have had that experience.
0: Yeah, the ones I the ones I hear about that write me or post a comment on my blog or something will say, What do I do? What do I do? I've got this high Lyme test or this this positive my, my dog's got Lyme, just like they come into your office and say, My dog's yeah. got Lyme. And so if if veterinarians are still misreading the ACVIM and not not getting that part about if they're ill then give the doxycycline we're going to be wiping out a lot of good microbiomes aren't yeah, we
1: yeah absolutely yeah yeah because putting a not that it's that harsh of an antibiotic but when you're doing it for extended periods like that it it's bound to have some detrimental effects on the on the animal
0: and the more and more we read and and the more research comes out i mean for the last decade we've been hearing about the microbiome exactly that we're, that we're many more times, probably 10 times more bacterial and viral presence cells than we are human cells in our, in our own bodies. Exactly. And the thing's got to be true in the yeah. dog. Yeah, We don't want to you know, just jump with a, with a knee-jerk reaction to give a month's worth of antibiotics to somebody who's not sick, exactly. right?
1: Exactly, yeah. I, th- I think that's exactly right. And I, I really think the ACVIM would agree with that. And uh-huh. it might be something that needs to be the veterinary community needs to be reminded of that. I've thought of writing a letter to the editor of the AVMA, mm-hmm. a fellow who already isn't very fond of me. But <laughs> I we we had a we had a little bit of an exchange a few years ago. I wrote an article about how vets shouldn't be vaccinating sick animals, and he dis yes. he disagreed with me. He thought it was no problem.
0: Oh my god! And I said,
1: oh oh my well. god. I said, "Well, there's the problem. <laughs> You're the editor of <laughs> JAMA, and that's how you feel." <laughs> oh my God! But he was a board-certified yeah. surgeon, so he probably is not ah. vaccinating animals anyway. He's just he's just doing surgery. Yeah. But yeah. He, you know, he pretty much wanted to rewrite my article so it would say what he wanted it to say. And I said, "No, oh, this is this is the op-ed section. You know, this is I paid my membership. Uh, I want to have my opinion expressed.
0: <laughs> unbelievable." <laughs> so, I mean, even the labels on every vaccine says don't vaccinate an unhealthy animal, it, right? They're oh, only for use in healthy dogs, cats, it's, ferrets, it's whatever. It's vaccine
1: 101, yeah. But a lot of times it just yeah. gets tossed
0: out the window. And yeah. so. Yeah, I think there's a lot of craziness that, yeah. you know, we have to be, we have to help our animal owners become Aware of these things, yeah. So, yeah, I think so. If someone approaches them in a in a white coat with a stethoscope around their neck and says, "Look at this test. We've got a Lyme positive dog," the owner needs to be able to say, "Well, look at my dog. Is my dog <laughs> acting sick to you? Yeah. She's sure not to me." Yeah, and and this is a
1: definitely a situation where the owner would have to maybe resist some vet bullying. You know, if there tend to be some bullying. Yeah, because they do tend to pressure people. I think sometimes and. Try to yeah. try to force them into doing certain things, either through fear or guilt or some other emotion.
0: Yeah, yeah. A short-term fix I've often offered people for that is, thanks for your information. Here's something you can say yeah. to your vet in that situation. Yeah. Thanks for your information. I appreciate your diagnostic work. And we're going to go home and think about this. Yeah. Right on the spot, you don't have to say yes or no. Yeah. You can say, we're going to think about yeah. this.
1: we just want to take a little time, think this over. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, you can certainly say that to your vet or to your own doctor or your dentist or anyone Absolutely. really that's making health decisions for you.
0: Absolutely.
1: And then the last thing, Will, that I was going to mention before I forgot, the at the conclusion, it says the majority of the ACVIM members... Survey do not recommend live Lyme vaccination, even in ah. even in endemic areas, due to poor efficacy and safety concerns. So I thought that was extremely interesting, because you know Lyme, Lyme vaccine isn't really considered a core vaccine for dogs. You know, one that every dog should have, like distemper, parvo, and rabies are probably the most common ones considered that way. But it is recommended for a lot of dogs, though. Uh-huh. You know, regardless of their uh, location, their geographic location, their lifestyle, things like that. I've seen little Chihuahuas who never left the house that got a Lyme vaccine, <laughs> and you know oh, things man. like that. Yeah. So yeah. But just knowing that this body of experts, you know, the gurus of internal medicine say we don't recommend this vaccine
0: routinely. So that's important as yeah. well. Yeah. So there's another point for consumers yeah. to say. What's your list of vaccines that you're recommending? No, I don't want this one. You can make choices about that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, so I think people can make an informed decision. You know, the more they know it, it empowers them to be
0: confident about that. And here's board certified experts who've taken extra training saying, we don't think the vaccine's a good idea. I think that weighs in a lot. I think so, yeah. That's just not a couple of holistic vets saying it like, yeah, you know we we know vaccines can be damaging. Yeah. This is the experts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would think that
1: would carry extra weight coming from those type of people, like you said, compared to homeopathic or holistic vets, because we've been saying this for a long time, but the conventional community pretty much shrugs it off and considers mm-hmm. it not not a good way to look at it. But here you've got a group of experts saying otherwise, though. So.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was pretty happy to find that article. I wonder when they'll do their next update and what it will include.
0: Yeah, I mean if they if they updated from 2006 to 2018 and and this is their final that you're that you're sharing with yeah. us on this episode, I think it's it's unlikely to change. It yeah. sounds like they're not whitewashing it and saying we're just going to be safe and Treat everybody that's got a positive titer, nor are we going to recommend a vaccine that we find is neither safe nor efficacious. Those are the two words that are everybody ought to ask about a procedure of any kind. Does it work? Mm. And is it safe? Yeah. Right. That's
1: right. Or is it necessary? Yeah.
0: So that's been really enlightening. And And you and I, I think neither one of us have seen a bunch of Lyme sick dogs. And it kind of harkens back to the argument of the germ theory versus looking at something else called the terrain. Mm-hmm. So are you thinking that's maybe what's keeping most of these dogs from getting sick? Is that they've just had a healthy terrain, healthy enough to withstand this? Yeah, I think that's probably
1: it. Yeah. And I think, you know, there must be something about the dog in general that makes it a less likely host for this disease, less susceptible just as a species. and. Uh-huh. That they're not sure about cats. Not much work has been done in cats, but it's more of a minor concern, I think, with a lot of folks. Cats don't tend to have much tick trouble for one thing. They tend to groom themselves pretty well. And uh uh-huh. but one thing I one other thing I came across was that one source said it's probably more accurate to classify Lyme disease as an immunodeficiency disease because the organism is not the actual cause of illness in most cases, but they're People are only affected and become ill if if they have if they're predisposed, you know, if they're in a state of being susceptible. So something has happened to them. As somebody passed, we would say that they have a chronic disease that's made them more susceptible, and then they fall ill to this disease. And this this writer said an interesting thing, said other examples of immunodeficiency diseases in dogs are uh, parvo and kennel cough. And I had heard that about parvo. I hadn't really heard it about kennel cough. I don't know if you had come across that. I haven't, no. I'm thinking, but that kind of makes sense though. Because if you look at kennel cough, where does it happen? Mostly in dogs that are stressed out and uh, boarding situations, <laughs> they're overcrowded. <laughs> right. You know, and right. they're, they're probably immunocompromised from that. Plus they get a vaccine on the way in the door, the live
0: virus vaccine. And so. Uh-huh. That's a stressor in itself. Yeah, yeah. a stressor in itself. So, and you, you've done a lot of work with Parvo. So, how did that, when you heard that that's also an immunodeficiency disease, did that resonate with you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think it fits, you know, it fits what we've seen in
1: practice where the majority of dogs that get sick from Parvo have, have been vaccinated. And the majority of uh-huh. dogs that die from Parvo have, have a history of vaccination uh-huh. compared to the, the dog off the street that's never been to the vet, they get Parvo. They get a couple of remedies, they're out, they're back home the next day a lot of times. Like it was no uh-huh. big deal. Uh-huh. So I'd much rather treat an unvaccinated dog than a vaccinated one any day.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're healthier. And the vaccines themselves, I think, don't we know some of the fractions of the vaccines are immunosuppressive? Oh, absolutely. Themselves?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think they've yeah. shown that, you know, the immune response really takes a dive in one or two weeks after the vaccine, they become more immunocompromised. In general, uh-huh. and uh-huh. and so well, we're seeing it now. I think with COVID nineteen vaccine, although this is a different situation, but or even after a flu shot, a lot of people have had that experience. They get a flu shot and they get sick, or they get the flu, like a week or
0: yeah, in yeah. the next
1: week or two. They
0: right. and they right. think,
1: oh, I guess it didn't work, but it
0: may have contributed. Yeah, dropped your immunity and got you sick. Yeah. Well we'll see it in puppies a lot I think after vaccine right? Oh. Is isn't, isn't it common to get yeah. to like coccidia or one of those diarrheal diseases after a puppy oh, shot? Oh
1: absolutely. Yeah. Or or yeah. you know they'll actually break with parvo a lot of times in in the week week or so following one of their puppy shots. That's a uh-huh. that's a real common scenario. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: So but it'd be interesting So
0: just a just a mm-hmm. Along those same lines, you mentioned the steroids earlier. So if your animal's on prednisone for some reason or some other form of steroid, that's a, an equivalent immune suppressor to having stress, like ongoing stress, being locked up in a kennel and barking dogs all around or yeah. cold weather stress or whatever it is that stresses you. That brings the cortisol level up and drops the immune system yeah. down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you could say that. So dogs that are on long-term medication like prednisone, they probably are living in that state of stress or borderline immunosuppression, immunodeficiency. Yep. So Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's a good point. So,
0: So to wrap up, I think we're on the same page, it sounds like, that if you've got an animal who's healthy and well and comes back with a Lyme titer that's positive, and they say... You know, that means he's got Lyme. We better treat this dog. You have every right and every common sense on your side to say, wait a minute, I'm not going to treat this animal. Look at him. He's well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think you'd be, you know, well within good reason to do that. And yeah, really, I would just walk away from that situation. Yeah. And say, I want to think about this and then just not do it. Yeah, 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 or even better yet, consult with a veterinary homeopath <laughs> who can sure. uh, further set your fears at ease and treat yes. treat any actual disease that your dog might have. Because it's pretty rare to see a dog or an animal that doesn't have some level of chronic disease. So most of them can benefit from homeopathic treatment, just just like we can.
0: Sure, and, sure, yeah, yeah. That's been my go to recommendation. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and that's that's how I first. Meet a lot of people is over a positive Lyme test and, you know, the worry and the uh, fear that the company's at and they they find me somehow or, or someone points them to me and we, we talk about that. So I love that because it's you like know, you've helped someone else get out of the woods <laughs> and you yes, know exactly. find a good path. You know, hey. they're lost in the woods until then looking for answers. And exactly. I know because I've been there myself and it's it's not a fun place to be. In that state of fear? Yeah, yeah. Or, or just, yeah, you know, not, yeah. not sure what to do, looking for answers, trying to find some guidance. Right. Yeah, a lot of that back in my conventional days where, you know, it was pretty much just sure. quick-book quick, quick approach. And it just didn't feel right a lot of times. There was something about it that didn't quite resonate with me. And now I know why. I think I was meant to do
0: homeopathy. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So much more fulfilling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, Todd. I think this has been a really interesting topic. And I think it's going to help a lot of people realize that titer does not equal disease. If you've got a positive titer, you don't need to give an antibiotic for a month. And the final thing I think, Todd, is what about vaccines for Lyme? Yeah, I, I'm not a
1: fan at all. Of course, I'm not a big fan of most vaccines. The only vaccine we even use in my practice right now is the rabies vaccine. That's only because it's legally required. And we use it sparingly. I mean, we don't give it to animals that are sick. So Right. We'll write waivers and postpone it for those animals and try to work on their level of health. But yeah, as far as Lyme disease vaccine, you've got a vaccine for a disease that's not really proven to be a, a real threat to dogs. It doesn't seem to make dogs sick. And they're, you know, even in experimental settings, they can't cause a disease in the dog. And also, the experts, the ACVM experts, have said it's not safe and it's not effective. So I think that's three strikes and you're out with that vaccine.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. If they're not recommending it, I, I don't know how your vet can stand up to that. So exactly. Yeah. I think you're well within your rights to say no yeah. to that one. Yeah.
1: It's pretty hard to say that as a general practitioner, you know more than the experts. I mean, maybe that's true in some situations, but I think it's kind of an arrogant position to have.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, thanks ever so much, Todd. I appreciate you coming on and clearing the air on this Lyme business. My pleasure. Uh, It looks like we've got a disease that's not a big one to worry about. Yeah, I would say there are many other things that are better to worry about. (laughs) Or maybe it's better (laughs) not to worry about things in general. In general. Yeah. Just take positive steps. Get some good food in that bowl and keep that terrain healthy. Keep that animal healthy. I always encourage
1: folks to learn as much as they can about nutrition. And just about managing stress, you know, in the, in their own life and in their animal's life, because yep. they really feed off of our stress. There have been some studies recently that have shown that that's true. And so yes. I always suspected it was the case, but now they're documenting it with some real science. So that's interesting.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So All right, everybody. Well, that's another episode, and we will see you next week with something new and interesting. So stay tuned. Remember, you can subscribe to Vital Animal Podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and we will look for you on the next time around. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, thanks so much, Will. It nice talking with you. Bye for now.